Amen. Well, let's jump into uh, the word. We are in a sermon series called People of the Spirit, and it's a sermon series um, on the Trinity, basically, and I loved this book I had read maybe a year or more ago, and so if you did not get one of these books, we have uh, some ushers at the back with the baskets, and so I'm going to actually, I didn't warn the ushers, so I apologize, ushers, if you could be available, if you could grab those baskets, if you could pick those up, John, Dale, yeah, grab those baskets. Uh, go ahead and grab them. If you did not get one of these, will you raise your hand? All right. So there's probably going to be quite a few per section, and I'm going to wait a minute. And um, if you guys could help me pass these out. Yeah, thank you so much. Keep your hand up, and the guys will pass these out. And I guess I'm going to have to stall. I can't get into my sermon. So I will tell a funny story uh, about my children because um, that's always fun. I was looking for my earbuds. And maybe some of you saw that on Facebook. I was looking for my earbuds, and I was excited to put my earbuds in and zone out the world. And I found my earbuds, and they were in the TV room. Only problem is um, my kids cut the cable uh, because they were making AirPods. Isn't that special? I just put it in there, and you can't hear anything. But they look really cool, I'm sure. Ava, did you teach them that? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to Uncle Jay. All right. If you need a book, raise your hand. Anybody else experiencing the Trinity? All right. This is a really good book, and uh, the publisher was kind enough to give it to us super cheap so that we could just use it as a discipleship resource. So be sure to check that out. Go through that with your spouse, and then preferably go through that with a friend from work, a neighbor, just say, hey, can, I, can we talk about God once a week and here's a book we can use? It's a great discipleship tool. Amen? All right, so we said last week, when we say Trinity, we're indicating the Godhead, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one. All right, this is why we've been singing this at the end of every service this month, that God is Father, Holy Spirit, and he is Son, and last week we celebrated that we have the spirit of God because the father in heaven has given us his spirit through which we cry out, Abba, Father. We're chosen to bear his name. So Jesus, the son, makes that possible. How many of you believe you already have received Jesus Christ? You believe in Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And if you're a guest with us today, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. At the end, I'm going to make this as, as clear as possible who Jesus is is. So I want to give you just three, I felt like three adjectives today. Uh, and because I'm a good pastor, they all start with the same letter. That's just what we do. Brandon, I don't know why. It just all begins with the same letter. Here you go. Jesus is powerful. Can you all say this with me? Jesus is powerful. Jesus is patient. And Jesus is poised. Now that third one, you're like, hmm, what does that mean? Everybody just rub your chin. You will find out. You have to wait and see. Two-thirds through the message, you will see. But, you know, I was rereading Colossians two weeks ago. It's like one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I just want to reiterate some of its core principles, some of its core messages. That Jesus is supreme above all things. That he is the visible image of the invisible God. That he was at work in creation. That he knew you before you knew you. That he, Tom, he set the boundaries of the oceans, right? He set everything in its place. Jesus, the Son of God, is the perfect image of Father God. 
God knew, right, that you would want to know what God looks like. And so he sent Jesus to let you know what God looks like. Not so much in his face, but what we're talking about is how he lives, how he acts, who he is. So Jesus is powerful to save those humble enough to call on his name. Can you one more time say Jesus is powerful? He is powerful to save you. Powerful to save those humble enough to call upon his name. And Jesus announced his ability to save. So yes, he waited 30 years, but why did he do that? In perfect submission to Father God. Once he left the desert of uh, trial and being tested and being tempted, and he began his ministry, he's baptized. We're going to have water baptism next week. I'm really excited about that. Um, but he was baptized. He enters ministry, and he starts doing miracles, and he starts preaching. And I do find it funny that his very first miracle was essentially a party trick, right? He goes to a wedding. So uh, I think Jesus is a fan of parties. Who agrees? <laughs> I love everybody too religious. I'm just kidding. Came to the wrong church. Okay. Jesus loves a party. In fact, when you get to heaven, it's going to be a party, just so you know. So if you're like, I don't know about all this worship stuff. Well, heaven, it's going to be a lot of worship. Just heads up. Um, Jesus announced his ability to save. Jesus knew who he was. He would be asked, who, are, who do you think you are, basically, by the Pharisees? And he would say, if you knew me, you would know my father. In fact, uh, the one who is better than Abraham is here. And they're like, better than Abraham, right? And then he actually tells them that he... Uh, it is, again, better than Abraham and that they just were shocked by this. They just flipped their lid. Jesus knew who he was. Colossians 1.13. Let me give you just one of these. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's a perfect spot for amen, so thank you, Craig. I'm going to give everybody a chance to join Craig with that, okay? Everybody, you've all been cued. Everybody understand you've been cued. Here we go. I'm going to give you another chance. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. Not yet, Craig. is a little early. Transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Come on, right? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He transferred you out of darkness. That's why now you see darkness and it just is like, uh. Why? Because you're in the light, right? Come on, you know who Jesus is. In fact, sometimes you can even spot people who are in the light. I just had a funny story come to me. I remember I was at a gas station one time. I apologize, your pastor is a little easily distracted, but maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I'll trust it is. Um, I remember I was getting... I was getting a pop. It was late at night. I was driving home from an event, and I see this girl looking over at me like this. I'll never forget this. And she walks over. It's like 20 feet. She walks over. She goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I'm like, lady, it's like midnight, you know. I'm like, yes, I am. She's like, I could tell. I'm like, I see Jesus in you too. I'm a little creeped out, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to pay for my Coke, and I'm going to leave. But yeah, it's awesome. No, I didn't say all that. I just high-fived her. All right. But people know, right? People can see the light of Jesus in you, and that's a beautiful thing. But how many know that the darkness is getting even darker? I mean, we talked about that through the Daniel series, right? That the darkness is getting even darker. And what, what does the Bible say? That even in the end times, as we get closer to Christ's return, that people will call evil good and good evil. 
They will look at things that are absolutely profane and that the Bible says absolutely no to and say, no, that's good. That is loving and that's good. And you have to realize that as we get closer to Christ's return, the light and the darkness is going to become more obvious. Can I just say that? It's going to become more obvious. So let's talk about your own life. Because some of you might hear that and say, yeah, you know what? There is, you know, and, and, you, and you know that because you are in the light. But I think we also have to be aware that God is refining us and he's making a beautiful bride. And that there's sometimes there's a darkness, there's a little dark area in your heart and God makes you aware of it. And he shines a light on it. How many know what I'm talking about? Why? Because he's purifying the bride that he's coming back for. Turn to John 3, 16, if you will. I want to make this crystal clear today. If you're not yet a believer, we're going to invite you to do that at the end of this message. I want you to hear this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through him. You see, he's powerful to save you. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And you may be a guest with us online today or a guest today and, and, and think, why did we spend, what, 10 or 20 minutes just praising the name Jesus, you know? And then another time before that, with, with words on the screen or whatever, like, why are we singing Jesus? Why are you saying Yeshua? It's because we love Jesus. It's because we are passionate about this one who has saved us, right? We realize that we were living in darkness, that we were in absolutely a dungeon, and Jesus rescued us out. Jesus did what we could not do, so we're grateful. So verse 19 and this is judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness. And do you know that's still true today? It was true 2,000 years ago. And it's true today that there's people who will love the darkness. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light unless his work would be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. You know, your sin does find you out. You know, my heart was just broken in the middle of the week when you saw the news about that Larry Nasser, right? And the abuse that took place in the Olympics and, and, and the warning and the, the account that was given six years ago. And the fact that it went on. So we see the darkness. It's like getting darker and darker. We see people covering for another person's darkness. Maybe to keep their job. Maybe to keep their income, right? Darkness hates the light. But when we are refused to let Jesus forgive us, we will be held accountable. There is a day when we will stand before God. And give an account for our sin. And this is why Jesus comes. Because he comes to say, hey, I paid for his sin. And if you'll accept Jesus, he'll forgive you of your sin. He'll forgive you of those selfish actions and the even nature that causes you to be selfish. He is powerful to save. When we look at the Old Testament, 
each of the Old Testament stories of salvation, of rescue, of a hero stepping up and risking his life to save the people was a sign of Jesus, a symbol of Jesus who would come not only to risk his life, but to give up his life so that you and I could be saved. This is the gospel. I'm reading, uh, I got actually halfway through a book yesterday, it's so good, uh, called David the Great that my parents gave me. They know I love the story of David. Excellent book, by the way. And I'm listening, I'm reading, or not listening, I'm, I'm reading and I'm picturing this life of David. And I'm seeing how over and over he risked his life for the people. And I couldn't help but think, again, this is a picture of Jesus who risks his life and says, I will put my neck out there. Right? He risks his life. And Jesus not only risks his life, he gives up his life. Why? So that you could be saved. So that the Father could demonstrate his love. So that you would repent and say, I do need a Savior. Look at Psalm 81, verse 7. Even in the Old Testament, you can hear this. And this is David writing, actually. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. No, uh, you shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Just like we sang about a little bit ago. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Do you hear that? Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I love that. But my people will not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Do you know if you reject God, this may be hard for you to hear, but this is in the Bible repeatedly. Daniel read a verse a couple nights ago that indicated this. God will let you to yourself. He's not going to force. He invites you. He doesn't come to you with a club and, and hey, he invites you. But you got to be willing to admit your need for him. So he says, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Do you hear him begging? I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe towards him and their fate, they would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. And this is, the, this is the, really the message of my ministry, something I try to convey each and every week, is that God wants what's best for you and knows what's best for you. Over and over in psalms like these, he's saying, let me take care of you. Let me take care of you. I'll give you the finest wheat, right? Now, some of you, I know you don't go to the store and you don't buy wheat. What he's saying is Italian bread, come on, with butter. Come on. You know? Right? The best honey from Bert's Bees and Kinsmen. Come on, you know. Right? Maybe his name's not Bert. I can't remember, but. I will satisfy you. Jesus wants to take care of you. You've got to let him. You've got to say, God, I need you. God is powerful to save us from our sin. Jesus is powerful to heal us, and it's all motivated from a heart of compassion. I was watching the Chosen series again, and I, I was just wrecked this weekend. Um, have you guys seen the Chosen? I know I mentioned it maybe twice. Um, I just want to say again, it's an app. It's that's how they're streaming it. It's not on Netflix or Hulu. You just go to the app store, type the Chosen. Best depiction of Jesus I've ever seen. Powerful, anointed. Powerful, excellent, 
great acting. I, I highly encourage you to check that out. We're going to watch a scene from that where Jesus engages with a leper. Now, before you watch this, I want you to understand, a leper was not supposed to be uh, in the marketplace or anywhere around people. They're ostracized from society, right? They're, they, it, it's, they're covered in wounds because the numbness um, causes them to get injured, and they don't even know they're injured, and the numbness and the leprosy causes uh, literally their fingers, their toes, to, to fall off even. Open source. So can you imagine the embarrassment, the loss of dignity a leper would feel? Let's watch how Jesus engages. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you cannot this disease. You Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But, but what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. 
definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, Jesus, he sees how you feel. I want you to hear that. As a minister, I get to talk with people maybe in this kind of situation more often. Um, but I talked to a woman this, this week that with tears in her eyes, it's, this relationship is falling apart. I don't know what to do. I can't solve it. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. And, and we have our brokenness. And if we will just come to Jesus like he did and say, Jesus, if you're willing you can make me clean. You can fix this situation. And your healing may be on the inside, your healing may be on the outside, but Jesus is powerful to heal you. And I, he's patient. And the reason I wanted to put that video between these two, because notice how, how patient he is with the disciples. It's one of the things I love in The Chosen is it keeps illustrating how patient he is. And one second they're ready to kill him. The next second they're like, hey, you can have my, my coat. Why? They learn the compassion from Jesus. They learn to give this man dignity that he is created just like they're created. That he is loved just like they are loved. Say this with me. Jesus is patient. First Timothy 2.5 talks about Jesus' patience, how he comes to mediate between us and God. That he doesn't strike us down. That he doesn't come to us and accuse us and, and then say, well, I am the holy one, so you're banished, you're gone, you're not good enough. No, he comes in between. In between holy God and you and I, sinful man. Look at this. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. He comes in between. Everybody say in between. We're accused from our sin, rightly so, because we are sinners. Yet Jesus comes in between to mediate, to go in between, to intercede for us. And he dies in our place as a human. Jesus was fully human. And in that humanity, we see this beautiful humility. Guys, just think about that. Close your eyes for just a second, if you're willing. Close your eyes and think about Jesus. He leaves perfection in heaven. He's surrounded by a sea of glass, by streets of gold, by all of these living creatures bowing down to the throne. He leaves that to come as a little human baby. Think about the weakness and the frailty of a baby, and he comes as a baby. I know it's not Christmas, but just think about this. As a baby. All right, look up here. He does that for you. So that he could die as the perfect human, the perfect lamb. He took care of all of humanity's sins. Why? Because he could die as a human, as the son of man. Jesus was fully human. We see this. He experienced adversity, abandonment, pain, and turmoil, poverty, and hunger, and even betrayal. So when you say, 
well, Pastor Jordan, I've been betrayed by close friends. Jesus knows how you feel. Pastor Jordan, I have been hungry. There's been times I went for months without a paycheck and ends weren't me. I, I, I didn't know. Jesus knows how you feel. You've lost a really close friend or a family member. Jesus lost John the Baptist, his cousin, his predecessor in ministry. He knows how you feel. This is what allows Jesus to be patient with you. Are you thankful Jesus is patient? The Son of God took on flesh and bone to experience all that we experience so that he could truly empathize with us. I added this to to the sermon after watching The Chosen because I kept seeing Jesus' empathy, his genuine compassion. By the way, empathy is different than pity. It wasn't pity. It's empathy. When you have cried, Jesus has cried. Scripture makes that clear even. He's bottled your tears. He looked over Jerusalem and he cried thinking about you, that you would know the true heavenly father. Wow. All that deity, all that perfection in the frailty of a human body. Titus 2 verse 13 says it again. Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us of all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He redeems us from our lawlessness. The tyranny of sin always takes you further than you wanted to go, makes you stay longer than you wanted to stay, and makes you pay more than you wanted to pay. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's so true. That's how you have the Larry Nassers. That's how you have these situations where everybody's like, how could that happen? Because it was habitual sin, habitual sin, and it always gets worse. Until it's self-destructive. But what you have to understand is you might go, well, thank goodness I'm not Larry Nasser and I don't have sin. Actually, you have sin. And you have to give that to God. You have to give that to God. And he can give you a new heart. He can take that desire to sin out. I think about the way sin destroys people and unravels their life. I was in another foster care class this last week. And I was hearing of this story that was, while it was a made-up story, it was, a, it was a depiction of what happens so often. Where a, 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 a choice is made, and that leads to another bad choice, and it leads to another bad choice. And suddenly, all of life is unraveling. Can I tell you, sin is very destructive. And it not only keeps you from a holy God in eternity, it can, it can ruin a lot of things here on earth. Jesus came to destroy that sin. Can everybody just say Jesus? There's no problem God can't fix. There's no sin that's too big. There's no like, well, well, not about that guy. Yes, that guy. Yeah. Why? He's patient. When we realize it was our sin that Jesus paid for, we suddenly become very patient with others. Jesus is powerful. Not actually, or I'm sorry, now we actually want to do what's right, not what's convenient. Why? We're people of the Spirit. Can everybody just say people of the Spirit? 
Just like Ezekiel said, one of my favorite passages is, comes from Ezekiel 36 and 37 where the prophet says, yo, but there's coming a day when I will write my law upon their heart. I love that. Where they're going to want to do what's right. When you guys reach people in the Islamic world, you're going to see their heart change. So now it's not behavioral modification. It's not because, you know, the Cordobas told us. It's, oh, I, I don't want to oppress you. I want to serve. I, I don't want to abuse you. I want to serve you. Come on, say only Jesus can do that. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a Muslim's testimony. I've heard a few on Live Dead and different websites and articles. It's so powerful how Jesus can change you. See, Jesus is powerful. He is patient. Number three, say this with me. Jesus is poised. He's poised. I want to read from you, uh, or read to you rather, from John 8, 1 through 11. We're going to skip down a little bit, media booth. We're going to skip down a little bit to John 8, 1 through 11. I'm going to read a story. I want you to hear this. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the middle, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, or in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? This they said to test him, that they might find some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. How many of you guys, you wonder, you wonder what Jesus was writing. I, I like to think he just writes, they're punks, I know. Maybe you wrote, I'm going to take them out. No, he, I don't know. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote in the ground. And by the way, when he says he wrote in the ground, I, I remember I was visiting Israel uh, three, three and a half years ago. I believe it was January 2018, that first uh, month. And the ground, it's very like, it's like a hard clay, and it's just like this film of dust. It, it's, it's everywhere. So when you're, you're walking, you can picture that that he could easily, just like you would have dust on the window of your car, right? And he, he's writing something there, and I'm curious what he, he says to, their, to her, but look what he says to them. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. When they heard this, they went away one by one, don't miss this, beginning with the older ones. Why, the older you are, the worse you realize you are. And there is a lot of people, right, who as in their youth, oh, let me tell you, I know all the answers to all things. The older ones drop their stone first. And when you engage Jesus, you too will drop your stone. 
Jesus is poised. Think about this. He's down there with her, and they have rocks. I don't know about you. I'd be a little scared. Think about it. The law says to kill her, and now you're getting in the way. If it were me, I wouldn't be poised. I'd be like, on the count of three, we're going to run. You're going to run left. I'm going to run right. Do a little zigzag. But he's not shaken. I don't know about you, but I want to be poised. You see, somebody who's poised doesn't need everybody to like them. Somebody who has Jesus, the more you have Jesus, the less you need people to agree with you on all things. The more you have Jesus, the more poised you are. You're not shaken. Somebody can threaten you. Somebody can drag your name through the mud. You're okay. Jesus is poised. Now notice this. He actually knew what the law said. I was listening to um, a great podcast by The Bible Project. We told you a lot about them. We've used a lot of their discipleship resources. In Deuteronomy, two places, Deuteronomy 12 and 7, and in Leviticus, it says that for the rule of adultery, it was actually harder to condemn someone, to convict someone, rather, of adultery than it is even in America's jurisprudence, right? Because in America's jurisprudence, all you have to have is beyond reasonable doubt. You could have a jury that could be persuaded by a really good attorney, right? And you have a beyond a reasonable doubt, maybe one eyewitness. No, but in the Old Testament, you had to have two eyewitnesses. Two. And by the way, the man had to be there too. I'm listening to this, knowing I'm preaching on this, and I'm like, where's the dude? Where's the guy? You know what crossed my mind? I think some of those men, that's why they cast their stone. That's why they dropped their stone. Maybe some of those men who knew who exactly who she was. Right? And Jesus didn't even break their law. I find that fascinating. He could have said, uh, you're actually stretching the law. You have to have two witnesses. So who are the two men that caught her? He could have said that, but he didn't. He just, in his wisdom, he asked them, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. Now, I love this next part. This next part is so powerful. Look at this. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, my Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Guys, the Pharisees thought they had him trapped. And by the way, the religious will always try to trap you, to accuse. So the religious thought they had him trapped. Because here's the thing, here's why they thought he had him trapped. He's always saying, come to me, you who are weary heavy burden. If he kills her, he's not merciful. 
If he kills her, then he's not who he says he will. I mean, how's that for Jesus' message? Come to me, you who are a heavy burden, and I will stab you stone to death. Right? So it's contradictory to the message he's been preaching. If he forgives her, he is ignoring the law of Moses in their mind. Even if two witnesses aren't there, he, they feel they have him trapped. Does everybody see that? He can't do either one. But in his wisdom, he lets them see their sin and God's desire to forgive her. Are you so thankful that Jesus forgives you? That Jesus doesn't say, I accuse you too? He, instead, he kneels down. By the way, God always comes down into your mess. He doesn't point, he comes down into your mess. This is why I love, this is why I love foster care. Because it allows us to get right in the mess, to love the whole family, to do everything we can to get in the mess. Jesus gets into the mess and looks at you right eye to eye and says, hey, I don't accuse you. But notice he says, go and sin no more. In saying go and sin no more, he is saying, yeah, there, there is a right way to live that's not self-destructive. And by the way, the order of that is important. You know what religion says? Go and sin no more. That's religion. Jesus says, I don't accuse you. Now go and sin no more. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I don't accuse you. I'm going to take the blame. I'm going to take the stones for you. Now go and sin no more. Amen? When you are poised, you're not afraid of people attacking you. When you are poised like Jesus, you're not afraid of everyone liking you or not liking you. I think it's time that we're poised again. That we let Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, be developed in us. Can you stand up to your feet? I want to read a couple scriptures as Will and the worship team comes up. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. In fact, can we all read this together? I love when we read scripture out loud together. Let's read this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, or sorry, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now that verse, maybe if you've been in Christianity long enough, has maybe been twisted and contorted a bit to mean that God's going to give you six figures every year. That's not what that means. Jesus became poor. Poverty. It's not just about money. He became poor. He knelt down so he could be with you in the poorness, in the poverty, in the pain so that you could be raised with him in glory. Come on, is that beautiful? Jesus comes down into your mess. And he says, hey, I know how you feel. I know you've been betrayed. He kneels down. He says, I know you've been accused. And I know some of those things they accused you of are true. But I want to forgive you. And I'm going to give you a fresh start. 
And if you'll let me, I'll even give you a new heart and you won't even desire to do those self-destructive things anymore. That's so beautiful. That's what Jesus does. That you might become rich. And maybe for some of you, because the will of God is different for all of us, maybe that does include financial blessing and, and then it becomes very literal. But not for all, for all of us. Because that's not the heart of that. what he's saying there. What he's saying there is that you will be rich. Come on, rich. Right, put your hand right on your heart. Come on, that's what it means to be rich. I love the way Paul puts it, the riches of heaven. You know what the riches of heaven? You can sleep at night with no guilt, with no worry that you're going to get caught. No fear that you're going to get caught. You know how many people live like that? You can have the riches of heaven, peace, a clear conscience, a relationship with your kids and your spouse that grows and only gets better and gets more beautiful. You see, humility wants God's approval and knows it's only possible by admitting our need for God's renewal. That's what humility does, a posture of heart. It says, I need you, God, to save me. Jesus, I need you to save me. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to receive Jesus Christ. It's possible that some of you are listening online or you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus. It's also possible that you've been in church for 10, 20, or 30 years and have never seen Jesus to be the gracious Jesus that you saw today. Maybe you thought it was all about performance and maybe you, you worry. Maybe you've always worried, oh, I didn't get there, I didn't get my, the bar's too high, I can't do it. I keep trying, keep trying, keep, just surrender to Jesus today. That's why Jesus first said to the woman, neither do I accuse you. He doesn't start by saying, go and sin no more. He says, neither do I accuse you. Let Jesus look you in the eye, kneel down into your mess today and say, I don't accuse you. Let him forgive you. Would you raise your hand if you wanna receive Jesus for salvation this morning and raise it nice and high and we're gonna pray a prayer together. Whether you've known God or entered church, I should say, for a long time, or whether the idea of faith is all new to you. I wanna give this opportunity in case someone's listening online. And we, we have a lot of people that listen online every week. So can we all pray this together with somebody who's potentially praying this online right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved me enough that you sent your son for me. And Jesus, I'm so thankful that you died in my place, that you knelt down, you looked me in the eyes and you said, I don't accuse you. You said, I forgive you. Jesus, I thank you for making me clean. I'm the leper. I need it cleansed and you cleansed me. Thank you. I love you. 
I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm believing that somebody was just saved online right now. Amen? We're going to sing. We're going to end with worship again. Can we just lift up our hands and make this declaration? I believe in this Jesus we're talking about. I believe in the one who came down to step between me and the accuser and say, hey, you're free to go. You're not going to be killed today. You're not going to live separated from a perfect God forever because of Jesus. Let's sing it. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus, our Savior, I believe in God, our Father, I believe in Christ, the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated I, oh, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy I believe in the resurrection when Jesus 
just feel like I know, I know if you need to go, you need to go, but I just feel right now that the Holy Spirit is going to sweep over this place. I just really feel that, that there's some of you that are hungry for God to touch your life. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're, we're going to pray for an infilling of the Spirit. But I know this, God can touch you in an instant, that you don't need a pastor to come touch you, that God can do it right now. If you want God to just fill you with his spirit, would you just open up your hands and say, God, I'm open. Just come on, raise up your hands and say, God, I'm open for a touch of your spirit. Because right now, I believe he's falling in this place. I believe he's filling you. Holy Spirit, come. Fill them with your presence, God. Fill us with your presence. Lord, do what you said you would do where you promised it's better that I go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you. He's going to remind you of everything I've taught you. He's going to teach you about the Father. Fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. Go ahead, just say, fill me afresh, God. Fill me fresh with your Spirit. With your spirit now we pray. Fill us with your spirit now we pray. Thank you, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, I thank you. Can I tell you, nothing else satisfies you but Jesus. Nothing else. Some of you feel something special right now, and it's even hard to describe. And you say, man, can I have this throughout the week? Yes. Yes. You can open up the word of God, and it's like Jesus is sitting right there at the table with you. I pray that Jesus gives you his presence in a powerful, fresh in a new way. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. I just feel led to pray for Ruby for some reason. Can we pray for Ruby? Reach your hands towards this sweet, awesome young lady. Is Matt and Ashley in the room? If you are, can you can you guys come up and just stand with her just for a second? Ruby, I just I just saw you like in my mind's eye. And I saw you making a ton of people laugh. And I know that's kind of your your personality, but I just feel like God, I feel like I just looked at you and just in like a second I just saw you making a group of women laugh. And I, I just want to tell you the joy of the Lord will be their strength. There's a promise for you right now. I know there's a verse that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I hear a little alteration on that. And the Lord says to you today, the joy of the Lord will be their strength. Their strength. Their strength. And God is going to fill you with joy. This sounds so strange, but I see almost like blue ribbons just coming out of your mouth these blue curly ribbons and all these things that you it's and it's but those are your those are your your encouragement and your laughter and all that's within you and you are going to bring so much joy to people and it's going to be 
uh, an apt word. It's going to be joy just in time. The Lord says it's going to be just in time that when people engage with you, it's like, man, did I need to hang out with Ruby? Man, did I need that time? And I just bless you, Ruby. The joy of the Lord will be their strength. You're going to be full of so much joy. Some people will even consider it obnoxious because they're not ready for it, right? And you're just going to be like, well, deal with it. And everybody who's hungry for the Lord, <laughs> I want to say that again. Everybody who's hungry for the Lord is going to receive from you. And they're going to be like a sponge soaking up your joy. And it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be awesome. And I even want to say, you know, some might misunderstand it, if I can say it that, like that. But God says it's beautiful and I've given you that and it is really special. So, Father, we just bless her with this word. The joy of the Lord will be their strength. God, that as they encounter Ruby, they encounter you, your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I bless you. Hey, on your way out today, I want you to look someone right in the eyes and look at them say, Jesus has sure been patient with you. Look at them and say, Jesus has sure been patient with you. The Lord is there,